we started going there here about 18 months ago, we've been blessed. You have a good network and a good body, and I'm telling you, you got some good leaders, and uh, it's amazing the insights that I've received as a minister just being among that local family in Wyndham, New Hampshire. Uh, my wife and I, you know, we've we've been in the ministry a long time and have preached in many, many different kinds of churches, many different streams. But I'm telling you, I have not seen the authenticity and the genuineness and the sense of oneness that I've seen in this body. I'm talking about Wyndham, and I know you're part of them, too. This is the crossing. Not to say that we're any better than any other church. We don't think like that. God loves the entire body. But there's something about being a part of this body that's really unique and special to my wife and I, and I know it is to you. Maybe you don't know how good you have it. <laughs> you know, you know, when we were praying with um, Tommy and uh, Wesley last night, we had a real sense of an angelic presence that was with us in, in with you here, and it you know, we don't worship angels. We don't bring attention to angels. We worship Jesus, bring attention to Jesus. But he has angels. And you might not know, but do you remember in the book of Revelation when Jesus had a message for seven different churches in seven different cities? He said, to the angel of the church of so-and-so, to the angel of the church of so-and-so. You know, tradition has told us that that's angel means pastor or messenger to that church but it, the greek word does not mean that at all it's actually angel <laughs> it's a real angel and jesus had the seven angels in his hand and he walked among the candlesticks the candlesticks are the churches the stars are the angels you can find that in revelation one and two and that tells me something that for every candlestick which represents the church there was an angel assigned to that church representing the anointing and the presence of God that was part of that body in that local church in that city. And you notice when he, when he spoke to the churches, you know, he had a lot of rebuke and reproof and correction to give the churches. It's only a couple of them that he gave no rebuke at all, just commended them. And one of them, I think it was Ephesus in Revelation 2, he said, if you don't repent and return to your first love, basically, I'm going to remove the candlestick from its place. In other words, the candlestick represented the light and the anointing and the power for that church to be there. So when Jesus removes the candlestick from his place, he assigns that angel that's over that church somewhere else, and that church begins to die. You know, we live in New England, and how many, you know, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be critical, but how many dead churches are there in this region of New England? You go to Boston, and there are churches that were built, big buildings, elaborate buildings. Back in 1600, 1700, 1800, they were built. You walk into those places, and there's not one sign of life. There's no light, there's no revelation, there's no power, there's no presence. Why? Because the angel that was originally assigned there, if in fact that church was ordained by God, left a long time ago. Jesus shut it down. 
I said, Jesus, shut it down. Jesus does shut down churches, but they continue to exist in man's wisdom and man's order, and there's no life there. And God forbid that any of us would be a part of a church that has lost its life and the angel's no longer there, and Jesus has shut that church down because they would not repent and return to their first love, who is Jesus. Amen? I don't know if you understand that, if you've ever heard that, but in studying this out, this is what I gleaned from these passages. In the presence of angels that we sent, uh, sensed last night is because this work is ordained by God, and there's a presence, and there's light, and there's revelation, and there's life here, and there's order, or there should be order, because I have found that the church is a family. Amen? And it flows according to what is in the home. Every one of us has a home. We have fathers, mothers, wives, children. The home structure and the home environment and the order in a home is reflective of what there should be in the church or vice versa. Because if things are out of order in the home, then they won't flow well at all in the church. And um, I want to, that's not my main, the main word that I have in my heart, but I wanted to share that because, you know, everything's coming back to the local church. There's so many things out of order in the church because they're out of order in the home. And, I mean, we talked a little bit last night about, you know, the last number of decades, we have seen so many scandals among, you know, ministers that are in the limelight, you know, that have a big platform, big ministry. You won't name names, but we know who they are. If we've been around, we know that there's been scandals from, from adultery to financial, you know, embezzlement to just unethical practices and things that leaders that are in the limelight do. And that affects the whole body, and it harms the body. But here's a big problem. A lot of these ministers are not in order even in their homes. And they're not, and they're not even part of a local body. Maybe on paper they are. But how many of these big ministries are actually functioning in their local body also? You know, pouring themselves into that body, helping to equip that body. Most of them are out there traveling. They got big ministry. They got a lot of money. They can do what they want. They're not accountable to too many people. Again, they'll tell you on paper they're accountable. Yeah, we got a board. We got, but they're not really. In practice, they're not. And the Lord's been ministering to my heart lately about how this, the roots of all disorder in the body of Christ get back to the local family, the church, and our own personal family. If things are out of order there, they're out of order everywhere. I'm sorry, I gotta, I'm trying to chew this thing so I can talk better. I got a min in my mouth because. So just, yeah, we didn't say anything about anything. We've been talking about this for like six months, but. <laughs> well, the Lord knows. The Lord knows what he's doing, but we, we don't go to churches with messages you know, years ago, what was it, about 2012, the Lord said, I don't want you to minister the way you've ministered in the past. 
See, I used to go to places and have a message for that church. And I always thought the message was from God. And, but he said, I don't want you to go. I don't want you to minister like that anymore. I want you to get filled up in prayer and in the word. And when you go to places, I will highlight certain things in prayer. And you will deliver what I give you for that particular place and that particular body. And we did this yesterday afternoon. My wife and I spent some time praying. And this is the, one of the first things that the Holy Ghost highlighted. Listen to this. Um, the only, and I can say, thus saith the Lord here with this phrase that he put in our hearts. The only protection against the great deception in this time and era that we are in and the spirit of the Antichrist that is prevalent is being in the family of the local body. I will. <laughs> I might say it three or four times. The only protection against the great deception of this time and era, ERA, that we are in and the spirit of Antichrist that is prevalent is being in the family of the local body. In other words, the protection against the deception that is rampant today, the main protection is for us to be in a local body, a local church, a local family. Everybody, my wife is saying, everybody. No. Yes, not only just the saints, but every ministry gift, no matter how great they are, how big they are, how influential they are, everyone needs to belong to a local family. And you know, family is forever. I'm not saying you can't move geographically and be part of another church and another work. That happens all the time because we live in a very transient society. But even then, I tell people, if you're going to move, you shouldn't look for a house first. Look for a local church family first and let everything evolve and revolve around that. If you put that first, God will make sure you get the house you want. He'll make sure you get a job you want, and things will just work out because you're seeking the kingdom first. Amen? So this is just so important. Um, I want to read in Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Okay, well, my second Holy Ghost is telling me where to go. That's my wife. I listen to her counsel. Matthew 24. Well, I try to all the time. Matthew 24. You know, Jesus is speaking here, but I want to focus on this word deception to show you as we get closer to the return of Jesus how much deception is going to be prevalent. He warned us. Jesus warns continually. And he said here, and the disciples asked him a question, and Jesus answered them in verse 4. Well, let's see the questions that they asked him. As he sat, verse 3, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? Whoa, loaded questions here. Jesus answered and said, Take heed that no man deceive you. He didn't answer any of their questions. He went right to the heart and said, Take heed, beware that no man deceive you. For many shall come 
in my name, and many have come in the last 2,000 years, and they're still coming. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. There's the word deceive again. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. I am not troubled at all by wars and rumors of wars. I'm not troubled by earthquakes and famines because Jesus said these things must be. And they're getting closer and closer together as his return gets nearer and nearer. We're having more earthquakes today than we've ever had in the last 2,000 years. More famine, more wars and rumors of wars. I am not focused on the darkness and gross darkness that Isaiah said would come and be here. I am focused on the glory and the light of God that shall shine upon his people in the midst of that gross darkness. That's what we need to focus on. If we're seeking the kingdom of God and we're about the Father's business, we shouldn't be worried about anything. I mean, I have perfect peace in the midst of this storm and this pandemic that's happened in the last two years. We were sick. We were not sick with COVID, although we did get COVID, but we had some other issues. She had cancer. I had a stroke. But you know what? We've come out of that now. We're on the other side, and I have perfect peace. I am not, I don't even read beyond the headlines. I don't even get immersed in the news anymore. I was caught up in it. A while ago when the election happened and all that, and I was writing about it and preaching about it, and I thought, you know what, I'm checking out of this. I'm going to start focusing on my father's business. What of it? What of, what, who cares what happens in the world? If we are seeking the father's kingdom, we should walk in perfect peace. Because that's his will for us. His will is not for us to be troubled or be disturbed by whatever happens. I mean, they could have a military coup tomorrow and we could go into World War III. I'm not going to panic. God knew it was coming. He's not surprised by what, what, what's happening and what's coming. He tells us to seek him and seek his kingdom and be about his business. And his business is people. His business is to preach the gospel and make disciples of all men. I'm going to be doing that until my last breath. I've been doing that for 40 years. I'm going to be doing that until I take my last breath. My wife will be right by my side. And our needs will be taken care of. And we will continue to walk in perfect peace and unspeakable joy. It's not just the peace. The kingdom of God is not just peace. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Inexpressible joy. Unspeakable joy. A joy that you cannot even explain to people. How is it that you have this joy in the midst of all these sorrows and all that's going on in the world? How is it that you have this unshakable peace that passes even your understanding when there's storms blowing all around us because I'm in Him. I've learned to move in Him. I've learned to abide in Him. That's where there's joy and peace and righteousness. I'm not shaken, and you shouldn't be either because we know the unshakable one. We, we, I am not shaken by the signs of the times. Jesus said it's only the beginning of sorrows. There are more sorrows to come. I feel broken in my heart for people in this world that are still alienated from God and blinded to his truth and his life because they are the ones, things are going to get worse for them. 
They don't have a promise of God's protection and God's peace and God's joy until they come into him, until they get in him, in Christ. We move and live and breathe and have our being. So I'm going to read this again. The only protection against the great deception of this time and era that we are in and the spirit of the Antichrist that is prevalent is being in the family of the local body of Christ. Man, I just love that. I, I just love to soak in that because that was a rhema phrase, a rhema word to us. And um, I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 10 now. Every pastor's favorite verse, Hebrews <laughs> chapter 10. Um, oh, you're still here. Are you getting anything out of this so far? I sure am. You know, I get fed when I preach. <laughs> I feed myself. Hebrews chapter 10, or the Holy Ghost feeds me. And verse, look at verse 24. Let us consider one another. Man, I wish I had that parallel Bible with me because this reads different in different translations. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. In other words, we are to provoke one another to love. Love who? Love one another. Love sinners. Love your unsaved relatives that irritate you a lot. Love everyone. Provoke one another to love. Love is the glue that holds all this together. Jesus said, by this love, the world will know that you are mine. By this love, the world will know that you are my disciples. You know, I'm a big spirit and power stuff. I love the spirit of God, the moving of the spirit, the power of God. But I'm telling you, God continues to remind me, son, there is a more excellent way, and it is always love. Love binds us together, keeps us together. It keeps us from being offended. Did you know in this same chapter, and, you know, I, I went too quick. Let's put our, hold your finger on Hebrews 10 and go back to Matthew 24. I moved a little too quick. Um, Matthew, because there's something in there about offense that I'm telling you, more people leave the local family of the local church because of offense than anything else. Everywhere we go, because we talk to pastors all the time and church leaders, and there's always, you know, church, there's always problems. When you put a family together, there's always going to be problems. Iron sharpens iron. There's always going to be misunderstandings, disagreement. But families don't just leave. You're part of a family just because there's some kind of strife or misunderstanding. You don't just walk out the door and say, see, I'm out of here. Families don't do that. Families are committed to one another, submitted to one another, submitted and committed to the leadership in that church. I'm telling you, everywhere now I've been seeing this in the Word of God, the order that God wants to bring back to the local church. We've lost sight of that. There is to be order. But notice here, because I want to I bring something out here about offense. And again, we haven't talked to your pastors about any of this stuff. This is just something God put in our heart. Verse, did I say 24? What did I just say? Chef sank. I was on verse 10. I mean, chapter 10, verse 24. My brain's being, my brain's healing. Matthew 24, 
verse, yeah, look at this. Verse 9, we finished off at verse 8. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. Now, that's not happening yet in our country, but you know that's happening in Iran. That's happening in Middle Eastern countries. I have former students that were martyred, that were missionaries in the Middle East, and they, they, were, they were killed by Muslim terrorists. So this is happening. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. The most hated people on the earth are the Jews and Christians. And that's going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. All, you know, the world's not all, all of a sudden going to love us. They're gonna, they might appear to on the outward, but Jews and Christians are the most hated people on the planet. And then notice what happens. And many false prophets shall rise and shall, what? Mislead. My, my Bible, King James, says deceive. They shall, there's that word again. So we've already seen the word deceive three times here in the beginning of Matthew's gospel. Yeah, I'm in Matthew 24, verse 11 right now. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. This is not talking about the love of the world. The world doesn't have the God kind of love. This word is agape. The only people that have the agape kind of love are believers that the Holy Ghost, when we come into Christ, he sheds abroad in our hearts his love. We have his love. So this is talking about believers because iniquity is going to abound in the world. The love of many believers is going to wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, he shall be saved. But I want to back up to verse 10. Then shall many be offended. Everybody say offended. See, in other words, the offense is part of what leads to their love growing cold. When you get offended and you get something in your heart towards somebody, unforgiveness, offense, a bitterness, a hurt, even disappointment can lead to that, to that hurt and bitterness. At that point, the love of God begins to dim in you. It begins to wax colder. You lose the ability to really love and overcome the offense. People get offended about the, the smallest little thing. You know, well, you know, my pastor put in red carpet in the church, and we all wanted pink carpet. You know, and, and I don't like the fact that he made that decision because I like pink better than red, so I'm, I'm leaving the church because of a stupid carpet. I mean, I'm, that's exaggerating, but it's not, really. It's just to show you people get offended about the smallest things. And it's... A, an indicator of our immaturity. Immaturity should not be, first of all, a leader of God's people. But secondly, God's leaders are to equip people and mature them so that they don't trip over some little offense and they learn to love one another as Christ loved us. You know, this love is really, according to Ephesians 3, there's a prayer there that Paul prayed for the Ephesian Christians. Part of the prayer says that we might know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. In other words, we can't even understand it with our intellect. The love of Christ, that, that we might be rooted and grounded in that love. 
This is the greatest work of God that he can do in our hearts. And he goes on to say that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. In other words, when we get a revelation of this love, this love of Christ, and we're rooted and grounded in it, we come into the fullness of God. In other words, in your spirit, you have such a revelation of this agape love. It passes your intellect. You know that you are loved and you know how to love. You walk in this love. That's the fullness. There's no greater fullness in God than to let this love rule and reign in your hearts toward one another. You want to see a mature man? Yeah, you can stand up and give a message in tongues and interpret the tongue, which we often do. You can stand up and give a prophecy or cast a devil out or heal. That is not the sign of maturity. That's a gift. That's the Spirit of God moving. We need that. But the sign of maturity is how you walk in love toward one another, beginning in your home, husbands and wives. I mean, boy, we could go off and do a seminar just on that, you know, because, again, if, it's, if there's not order in the home, it won't flow well in the church. That's where it starts. Okay, Helen. Okay. Yeah. Did, did you tell him that already? That we're a team. I'm not interrupting him without permission. So, <laughs> I just want to share this. You know, this is so important about the whole uh, uh, place you are spiritually when offense comes. Because when offense comes, first of all, when you're in a, a local body and you're being loved by people and people are loving you, there is a protection in that and there's a security in that. But when the devil comes and breaches that by giving offense to something, I have seen this over and over again in my own life where he tries to get me to, to, to be, um, I'm more on the sensitive side, so I tend to, but I learned early. Yeah, you're a dream, yes. He walks in a lot of love with me. There's, um, there was chances where I had to, make a decision in the midst. It's not saying that it doesn't hurt when people offend you. It really hurts, doesn't it? Like some things that people have done or in our family. But the thing is, is that you have to guard your heart against it because if you don't, that thing takes over your life and it takes you in a wrong way. I'm telling, I remember one time uh, a friend, a dear friend, said something to me in front of somebody else that was so cutting and so hurtful to me that it went in and I just started crying. I cried because it was happened beforehand in the office because um, we're ministers, we're in offices and we visit with pastors. Every, and I went into service and I cried the whole time. Just, I'm not like sobbing like that, but just tears just rolling down my eyes and I was trying to protect so nobody would see me and see what was going on but I remember I left that service and I went in the car and I said God please take this away I'm not going to be offended I don't want to be offended I don't want this hurt to, 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 to swell and be bitter inside of me and because I know the word I knew that it was wrong to do but I'm telling you that it's not that it's not there. 
You can't say it wasn't there, but you can say, God, help remove it and help me walk in love with it and make the decision because you are in a place now where God is moving. And you have ministry gifts here. I've heard it this morning. I heard the ministry gifts. I heard the anointing in them. I hear the anointing in in ministry. And I can tell you, these are real. And there's such um, a blessing from God in moving in that with them. Because your gifts and who you are from God all of a sudden start coming and blooming. And then people start recognizing your supply into the body, who you are in the body. And it's such, doesn't it bring just a joy to, um, and so guard against this. This is God telling you that there is a, a spirit of antichrist that's been released. And it's the protection, though, of staying in this spiritual climate. This spiritual room, I don't know, there's so many names what people give when God's there, right? <laughs> Whatever you call it. <laughs> the presence of God, the glory of God. That's where Jesus is. And that's where all direction is given. That's where all blessings are received. In that place. But when you come in offense and you let it, you sever your protection. And it doesn't make anybody more holier than you because we're holy because of the birth and the covenant we have with God. All of us are equal in that love. Nobody, but everybody has different talents and different gifts, who they are, what you do, how you serve. And so find that, that place who you are in this, this realm, in this place here. Because in that place is um, you're going to get so much joy from being who you are. Be who you are. You're just, you mentioned it today, Ephesians 10. Uh, I think it's, is it 310 or 103? The a manifold wisdom of God. 310 uh, of how it's displayed through the body. So protect and guard and I walked away that I drove home still tears rolling down my eyes he wasn't with me that day and um, I I think we were ministering somewhere else and I remember it going leaving me and I went thank you father and every time I thought of that person then because it was a friend that's the worst when it's somebody that you love and respect and they cut you in front of somebody else and you go, but when you can see them again and smile and say, hi, I love you, and mean it, that means that thing's been released. That thing didn't get a hold of you. So stop it. Stop it before it even starts. If you have ought against your brother, go to them. If it's that bad, go to them and talk to them about it. Get it out. Don't wait for them to come to you. You know, Jesus said it, bring your gift before the altar, but if you have some s ought or unforgiveness against somebody, 
Go to them first, get it right, and then bring your gift to the altar. See, we've got it backwards. Sometimes we think, well, until they apologize to me, I'm not going to forgive them. No, if your brother has ought against you, the Bible says go to them. But I'm not at fault. I didn't do anything wrong. He offended me. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says you go to them. And in going to them, you'll see that offense will be released in your own heart because you went to them. You initiated it. My wife and I, we don't let the sun set on our wrath. If we get in an argument and a fuss, as all couples do at some point, I always, I'll, she might lock me out of the bedroom. <laughs> I'll be knocking on the door. Don't go to sleep, honey. We got to make this right. The devil's going to get in if you don't let me in. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm bringing my peace offering. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Even if I know I'm right, which I'm not always right, but I will, it doesn't, it's not a matter of right or wrong. I don't want to go to bed in strife with my wife because in the midnight hour, the devil might just use that opportunity to get in. Yeah, keep the door shut to the devil through love. You know, I like to pray like this. If the devil attacks me, I say, devil, I'm walking in love. Take your hands off me. He's got no access into me, my life, my family, unless I get out of love. The Bible says there is a cause that many are weak and sickly among you and even die prematurely. And the cause is not discerning the body of Christ and one another. And that has to do with the love. I'm telling you, that's how the devil gets into churches. Because of the love. This is... Jesus, the, the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 14, follow after love and then desire spiritual gifts in that order and then that you may prophesy in that order. So love is the more excellent way and, and that ought to be our lifelong quest and aim. How much love can I walk in? How much more love can I grow in? How can I love my enemies better? How can I love my irritating relatives better? How can, how can I love whoever? You know, it's easy to love people that are lovable, but it's the ones that aren't so lovable that you'll be tested on. The ones that just, there's no other way to say it, they just irritate you, you know? I mean, you just look at them and <laughs> you get irritated. <laughs> but I don't want to be mean here, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? By this, this is the Amplified of John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have unselfish concern. Look at that. They replace love with unselfish concern. See, unselfish people don't, I mean, selfish people don't make good Christians. Self-centered people that are all about themselves they don't make good Christians. They have to mature to become a better Christian and be more fruitful in the kingdom of God. And so, you know, love is, love is to me, the simplest thing. It's, it's the new commandment. It fulfills all the other commandments. It's what Jesus told us to do. I like simple Christianity. And the simplicity of our Christianity is love one another. Love everyone at all times. You're a mature believer if you have learned to walk in this love. Because really, why would God share his wisdom with a self-centered Christian? 
honestly, because they would use the wisdom for themselves. See, love is God's frequency. And if you're self-centered, you're not on God's frequency. Why should he share his wisdom or anything that he wants to share with you? Why would he share that with you if you're going to use it for yourself? See what I'm saying? So let's get on God's frequency. His frequency is love. And I'm not talking about this mushy, worldly kind of love. You know, we love everyone no matter how they live, no matter what they do. We just love everybody. No, the Bible says speak the truth in love. The balance of love is truth. But I'll tell you this. The Lord will remove his hand from churches that preach the truth but don't love faster than he will churches that love but maybe are not preaching the, the full truth. God is more patient with people that walk in love. Even though their doctrine may be a little bit off, the Lord will bear with them because they're moving in the love of God, which is the great commandment. It's what he's told us to do. I mean, you can have people that preach truth, but it's not in love. You can, you, you can listen to people that teach sound doctrine, but they have an attitude, and they're arrogant, and they're haughty, and they don't move in love. Their home is out of order. I don't care how much truth you can preach. If your home is not in order, you shouldn't even be preaching. There are character qualifications for you to be an elder in the church, a ministry gift, an overseer, even a deacon. Wave your hand back there, deacon. <laughs> even a deacon has to qualify for that position of leadership. And not only that, but their wives have to qualify. See, we don't think of that. But the, if you read through those character qualifications, the wives are included. Wives of elders, wives of deacons are included. See, we can be so anointed, yet if we don't have character, we disqualify ourselves. I mean, that's what Paul said. I put my body under every day lest I should be disqualified. He presented his body as a living sacrifice every day so he wouldn't be disqualified because he knew that character adorns the gospel. You can preach and be a witness at work, but if you don't have character, you are not adorning the message that you preach. This is true in our home, but it's also true in our job. What do you act like on your job? How do sinners see you? Do you have a good testimony among the world and among the sinners? Maybe you're an employer and you employ other people. What do your employees think of you? Are you a benevolent employer? Are you kind? Are you walking in love? Are you generous? Or are you haughty and arrogant and dictatorial? You are not adorning the message of the gospel. Your witness means nothing. Without character. Paul put doctrine and character together. In other words, if you don't have character, your doctrine stinks. I mean, it may be truth, but you're not adorning it. You're not adorning it. Oh. I got an example that's coming to me right now. All right. <laughs> but hold on to your thought. It, well, yeah, this is my personal example. It's not her thunder, it's my thunder. <laughs> you have lightning. <laughs> now listen, when I was saved, right here in this city of Bangor, well, this is not Bangor, but I got saved. One of the reasons we came up here 
I haven't been up here in decades, and I wanted to see my old stomping grounds. I went to Husson College when it was a college, not a university, and there was a faithful laborer, blessed saint of God, that worked in the mailroom where we had to go every day and go check, you know, back in the days, of anti-diluvian days, where we had to go get our mail. It was snail mail. You know, that's, that's gone now. You can send a text or an email to somebody and get it right away. We, we went there to see if we had any care packages or any love letters from somebody. And, and I would go there all the time. So I'd see this guy. He's a few years older than me. And I, something about him intrigued me. It was like his countenance was always shining. It's like this joy, this peace that he walked in. It was obvious. And I was like, you know, I was a Roman Catholic. I was a very devout Catholic. I was always searching for God, but I didn't have knowledge. And when I met this young man, it was like, he didn't even have to say a word. I noticed that guy is different. And one day I went in there and I saw a Bible open on his desk, a little bigger than this Bible. And I looked at that Bible, and, you know, as a Roman Catholic, we didn't read our Bibles. The priest didn't bring his Bible. He didn't teach from the Bible. Nobody brought their Bible. I didn't know what was in the Bible, but it was intriguing to me because I looked at that Bible. Then I looked at his face. His countenance was just shining, like glowing, like a neon sign. I mean, it was so evident. So I looked at the open Bible, looked at his face, looked at the Bible, and I said, open Bible means shiny face. That's really, you know, I was a young con. I wasn't even a con. I wasn't even a convert yet. But I figured something out. That man has something, and he's getting it from that Bible. So I became so curious, I started asking him questions. What about the Virgin Mary? What about the sacraments? What about confessing your sins to the priest? What about this? What about that? And he would always say, the Bible says, he's the Bible answer man for me. The Bible says, And, you know, I was a little cantankerous when I was a sinner, and I said, you know, forget the Bible. Why don't you tell me what you think? And he would say, the Bible says the carnal mind is enmity against God. And I was like, oh, he was the Bible answer man. And I realized, man, this guy really believes the Bible, and he lives the Bible. That's why his face is so shiny. I'm serious. This is what I put two and two together. And long story short, this is the man that eventually led me to Christ, got me water baptized right here in the Husson University swimming pool. I went down there this week just to take a picture of the exact place I was baptized. I went and took a picture of the house that I lived in on Union Street. He was my roommate eventually. He, he baptized me in water. He taught me how to be a witness for Christ, how to study the scriptures. He got me filled with the Holy Ghost. He discipled me. And then recommended a great Bible school for me to go to. And we've been separated ever since. I've tried to get a hold of him, but I've, I did get a hold of him one time, yep. But I am forever grateful for that faithful witness because his character adorned the message of the gospel that he preached to me. So the fruit of the Spirit is still important. It's the most important. We need to place the fruit of the Spirit above the gifts of the Spirit because they are more important. One adorns the other. It's the more excellent way. It's love. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2. Well, I didn't finish with Matthew 24. Go back there. No, 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 no. You got that in front of you? Okay. 
No, but this word offense, this is really good. So I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost. And many shall be offended because I looked up this word offense. And it's the Greek word is scandalizo. Everybody says scandalizo. You know, it means the person that's offended is unwilling. This is so good is unwilling to suffer for Jesus. Because this is talking about many shall come and kill you. It's talking about, in the, in the, it's talking about uh, martyrdom here. So offense is you're unwilling to suffer for Jesus, so you're offended. I'm not, this includes martyrdom, but it's far more. Because if you're dying daily, and you're practicing denying yourself like Jesus said daily. You can't deny Christ. And you can't deny, you can't be offended because you're dead. Have you ever tried to offend a dead man? Go to a funeral, open the casket, and say the most ugly things to the man in that casket. Guess what? He's not going to respond, ever. You can stay there all night, shout at him, spit at him, slap him in the face, slap his old dead corpse in the face. He's not going to fight back. He's dead. We need to be dead to criticism and dead to offense and dead to our own hurts and disappointments. But if we're not doing it daily, you know, the Apostle Paul said, I die every day. You know, from print, well, he wrote three, I think, at least three epistles from prison, suffering for the gospel. And those three epistles, I believe they're Philippians, Ephesians, and Colossians. They are the most liberating epistles. And he wrote them from prison because he was a bond slave of Jesus Christ. He was sold out and surrendered to him. And even in his darkest hour, he was liberating the saints and writing epistles from the Holy Ghost to bless them and encourage them. What a man. And yet he counted himself as nothing without Christ. But I want you to understand this whole thing of offense is because we're not dead enough. We're not dead enough. We're not dying every day. We're not presenting our bodies to the Lord every day because if we are, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to be offended. Anyway, praise the Lord. Let's move on. Philippians chapter 2. This is one of the epistles that Paul wrote from prison, and we're coming in for landing here soon. All right? We're almost done. Some of you stomachs are starting to rumble. You're getting hungry. Some of you are getting sleepy. Coffee in the back. If you want to stay away, go get some coffee. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. How many still love me so far? See, you have, you, if you want your prayers answered, you got to love me. Philippians chapter 2. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I love this. I've been camping out here recently. Ver, let's read the first three, four verses here. If therefore, Philippians chapter 2, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Now notice this. Let nothing, everybody say nothing, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. There's every evil work. In the midst of strife, there is every evil work. Paul told the Corinthian Christians, 
I have much to tell you, but you can't hear it right now. I have meat to give you, but you can't eat it because you're carnal. You need milk. You're carnal because there's strife and schisms and divisions among you. Are you not yet carnal? That describes most of the church today. So much carnality and compromise because people are not living in this standard that God himself has set up, this standard and most excellent way of love. Love solves 95% of our problems. It really does. So we need to ask ourselves, what have we done with this love? What have we done with it? Are we walking in it? Is it our aim and our quest to love better every day, to love more every day, to be richer, wider, deeper in understanding this love and walking in it? It's intoxicating. Once you get in it and you're flowing in it, it is intoxicating. You start loving everyone you look at. You might not even know who, who they are. They might be the most repulsive sinner, but you look at them and this love just wells up in you toward them. How do you explain that? That is Christ working in you. That's the manifestation and the embodiment of him. Because Paul said, we are living epistles, read of all men. When that brother in the mailroom, when I saw his shiny countenance, he became a living epistle to me. I became intrigued, like, what does he have? I want that. Whatever he's got, whatever makes his face shiny, I want that. Whatever, wherever he got that peace and that joy, I want that. And that's why I started inquiring, who are you? Where are you from? What's in that Bible that makes you like this? It's love. Everybody say love is the fulfillment of the entire law. Of our entire life. Hallelujah. All right. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. I love this. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. Let me ask you something. What if everyone in every local church started just doing this one verse? Just this one little verse right here. If we each started esteeming the other better than ourselves, think of the increase of the glory and the power and the unity in the body of Christ if we were more interested in other people's welfare than ours. That's being unselfish. That's being a Christian that's dying daily, denying himself for the sake of others. And it's not hard when you get a revelation of this love, every one of you ought to go on your knees starting this week and open up to Ephesians 3 and just pray that prayer of love over yourself and your family and the saints here in this family. And I'm telling you, you do that every day. And I'll see you later this summer. You will be a complete... I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying if I saw you later this summer, you will be a completely different man or woman. Because... That is the will of God for every saint, is those prayers that you see in Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians. Why do you think they were put there? Because they're God's will for every saint. It is God's will for every saint to grow and mature in this love until they can be drunk with it, aglow with it, until you can't wait to come together, fellowship together, hear the word together, worship together, pray together. You can't wait to encourage each other. Devote 
each other to one another. You know, there's a group in the Corinthian church. It says there that they were addicted to the ministry of the saints. I can't remember the scripture, but this is how we ought to live life. So much for one another that we are addicted to meeting one another's needs. Man, what glory, what a place to live from and live in. That we're always thinking about the other before ourselves. That even when we're offended, we're like, ah, that's nothing. He didn't mean it. I'm going to think the best. He didn't mean it. He had a bad day. You know, there's something going on in his life. Things aren't right. That's why he acted like that. Give them the benefit of the doubt. So much easier to overcome when you think of what that person is going through that makes them act like that. So let's finish here. So look not every man on his own things. We do have our own things we have to look after. But every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we could go on, but that's it. The mind of Christ in our fellowship, in our midst, will do wonders for the fellowship. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. My second Holy Ghost just quickened me to go to Hebrews chapter 10. No, it is. I'm so glad because I was kind of looking for a landing spot. This might be it. Hebrews 10. (laughs) We got this thing that if I go too long, I'm like, I'm looking for the runway. I'm about to land and my wife will be like, crash. You've been going too long. Just crash. <laughs> so I'm about to crash. Hebrews chapter 10, because I can tend to be a little long winded. Hebrews 10, verse 24. Let us not consider one another, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. We've, we've been talking about that. Now, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. You know, since COVID, many have forsaken the assembling of themselves together. This was a great test for the church, and I'm sorry to say, much of the church has failed. What happens when the mark of the beast is here? You can't get over a simple little flu, and I'm not belittling. I know people, friends of mine that have died from COVID, but you know what? If we can't get past that and continue to meet together I'm telling you, we're not very far along with the Lord. What happens when they threaten you with your physical life? Whole different story. So I see a lot of this COVID thing as just a test, and I'm sorry to say, but a lot of the churches failed this test because they're not forsaking. They're not meeting together anymore. They're not. Churches have closed down because of COVID. I thank God I don't belong to a church like that. <laughs> Glory to God. One of the first things that I heard. Pastor Sean preached when I went into the crossing was he was coming against a political spirit. He was coming against the devil. And I was like, man, I like this man. He's got some backbone. And we've been and we stayed there ever since. And we're not going anywhere. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 10. What did I? No, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. But exhorting one another so much more. Everybody say so much more. 
As you see the day approaching, the day what? The day of Christ, the day of his return, even the day of his wrath, which is further into the future. As we see that day approaching, we need to meet more, not less. God sent you here and sent your leaders here to pioneer a work. This is the beginning. This is not the end. You're going to reach a, a, a people that you have not seen yet, that have not even come into this place yet. It's a regional call here. It's not just for this little town of Carmel, or we like to say it Carmel, because we had an Israeli tourist guy that would take us, tell us about Mount Carmel, and he would always say, Mount Carmel. Mount Car-. And my brother and I were laughing like he couldn't pronounce Carmel. It was like, Carmel. All the whole the rest of the trip, we were teasing, teasing each other about Mount Carmel. This is Mount Carmel. So this is the church in Carmel, the crossing. I'm just kidding. I, I'm, I'm, I'm checking out. I'm, I'm unwinding here. So this is my way to unwind. Just have a good laugh. All right, honey, you want to finish? Want to crash? Because I can't crash this plane. I don't want to be, I don't want to kill myself. So why don't you? Because you, you got this initially. And again, let me read, and you're going to finish, okay? You're going to crash. Um, <laughs> yeah, she tells me to crash, but she do not want to crash. The only protection against the great deception of this time and era we are in and the Antichrist spirit that is prevalent is being in the family of the local body. And so in that, just I just encourage you to gather and, and be a part of what God is doing here as a protection, but also be open. And this is what I was seeing. Be open to ministry gifts coming and being a part of this too because it's bigger than just one or two people. It's very, and you need the, the gifts we need, oh, Ephesians later on says, every joint supplying. So you have a supply gathered together. I saw you in the spirit just grabbing and holding, coming like, like gathering the people together. And so I just want us to lift our hands right now, make a fresh commitment to the Lord that you're not going to be offended. You're not going to go that way, but you're going to come and do and assemble like your word says, Father. We are not going to forsake the assembling of ourselves. We are going to come together more. We're going to love people more. We're going to do the works that we're called to do. And Father, I pray for an equipping that was released this morning to stay here, to, to mature here, and so that they can do and become that mature, perfect man in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that as they do, this is the other thing I see right now, as they come together, that they will have eyes to see what you are doing that it will be brighter and lighter than it's ever been there will be more discernment there will be more power available 
for the sick and the disease. There'll be more um, preaching anointing to bring in and convince the sinner of their sin and to come and believe in Jesus Christ. I thank you for that anointing to see that stays here that they will not be moved by the trickery of men, the deceitful movings of the devil to draw them out, but they will see what he is doing and they, he, they will rebuke it and they'll stay free in this hour and this time that we're living in, in the name of Jesus. And that's what I've seen for you. For the discerning of spirits shall be a prominent manifestation in these days, especially as a protection for those that are in the midst of my body and that are leading my body. For many will be deceived, even as you've heard this morning. Many will be deceived, for it is written even in my word that the that Satan can even transform himself into an angel of light and even perform lying signs and wonders. And those that are outside of my body and have left the forsaking in the assembly of my body will be candidates for that deception and will be at a disadvantage because they have left the fellowship of my body and they'll have no discernment for the body because they're not in the body. So be not as one of them that's outside the body, but be ever moving in the body, and the, even the discernment of others that they have will help you, and your discernment will help them, and you will be moving as one in my spirit in that day, and you shall be safeguarded against the deception. For for we in a Makubasura, my elite corner, and the in a Mrida Bro, as a Ruka Bride in the Bride, the only in Mustidarai. Yes, if you'll stay within my body and stay in unity and stay in love and walk in love in my body. It'll be easy for you to discern what another that's outside the body cannot see or discern. For there is a great delusion that has come even in my body at this time. And many, even as my word says, have departed from the faith and given heed to seducing spirits and even doctrines of devils. But be not as one of those, for I have put my spirit inside of you and I have shed my love abroad in your heart by my spirit. So follow ever after that love and do all things in love and ask yourself am I walking in love is what I'm doing and saying in love and you will be in a safe place if you make love your aim for this is why I said it is the more excellent way let's just lift our hands man the Holy Ghost just came in I mean he's been here all along but this is pressing this is a pressing thing that he wants to press into our hearts before we leave here. Whew. Man, I feel the fear of the Lord just blew in here. Father, we even pray now for those that have left the body. 
Father, that are under this delusion. We can see it, but they cannot see it. We pray for them to be awakened, for their hearts to be convicted, for you to get a hold of them, Father, for you to get a hold of their spirits and awaken them so that they may be restored into the body and made whole. We call them back in the name of Jesus. From the north, the south, the east, and the west, we call them back, not only here in this state, but, Father, throughout your body, even in this nation, Father, we call them back. The backslider, the prodigal, the one that's been offended, the one that's left their husband, their spouse for another woman, we pray for you to arrest them, bring them to their senses, and call them back in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the influence of the Holy Ghost across this nation upon those that have left the body of Christ. Hen. And so it shall be, and so you shall know that there are going to be releases of me here. There's going to be releases of me there. There's going to be a release of me in power over here. Be aware that I am with you, and I will show you these things, for they are from me, and they are needed for right now. something else Lord bring that back to me for this is a day and an hour where the faith of my people is becoming more and more precious and the times of assembling and gathering together is becoming more and more precious and sacred to those that are in the know and in the flow of what I'm saying and what I'm doing in this hour. So I am going to move. And those that are not with me are against me. And Sadly, there will be left, many will be left behind. But I am moving among my people of faith and bringing an order and a unity into my body. You will see this increase as the days of my return gets closer. There will be love and honor among one another like never before. And it won't be as if a mouth will say, Well, I'm not the hand, so I must not be important. I'm not the nose, so I don't matter. No, this will be a day when my body every member in particular will come together and flow together submitted and committed to one another and even submitted to leadership and those that they recognize the anointing on that are moving in my love yes this is a day in an hour where my kindred spirits and those of like precious faith are recognizing one another no longer in the flesh but in the spirit and they shall move together and there will be a giant body in the earth there will be an army that that will rise all around this globe and it's me and them and them and me that the glory of my father may be manifest in them (sighs) 
I'm sorry to deliver that so strongly, but that's how I felt it. So I want you to stand up and say, I am willing, Father. I am willing. I want this. There's coming releases even now as you stand up and more understanding of who you are in the body of Christ. More is going to come to you in the days ahead. So pay attention. That's who you are in me, says the Lord. And as you move in that, there will be power in it. Just by standing, you have acknowledged that he is Lord of your life. Hallelujah. And it's important to you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All together, let's just praise him. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We love you so much. It's about a people. It's about a souls. It's always about that. It's always about your business. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you for speaking to us today. We honor who the Holy Ghost is in our midst. Thank you, Lord. Oh.